so we've been in John for a year, fourteen, right? Um, and we're all the way in chapter. Where are we, guys? Fifteen. Um, so actually, we're so as we go in, and we're going to be looking at specifically fifteen through. Uh, 18 through 25, but to sort of get us started before we actually read that, and sort of a reminder, um, so Steve, you don't have to answer this question. <laughs> but So I've said, for those of uh, you guys who've been here since we opened up chapter 14, I sort of laid out when we started to open up the section of 14 through um, 16, I was pointing out as to what is for like the inclusio, what is Jesus trying to tell us? What does he want us to know and take away from what he's telling us in chapters 14 through 16? Anybody remember what that, what, what is that? What is the message he's trying to want us to not just understand about it? Believe. Believe. Good. Believe and keep on (laughs) believing. What else? New command they give to you. Well, yeah, that's, well, that's, yeah, he had that in 13. Um, so he gives us a new command. But what abide. if he wants to, hmm? Abide. Yeah. So here I want to try to get this across. Like, what does he really, what effect does he want his teaching in 14 to 16 have on us? So, so you know, we, we think we about, you know, follow those commandments and all that. Hmm? We pass the word on. Do what? We pass the word on. We pass the word on, Okay. None of us have got it yet, huh? No, no. <laughs> Actively participate. I mean, these are all parts of what he's telling us, but I guess I'm trying to get, what is it that he wants us to be leaving with that, change, that changes us? And I think almost is really probably the, the core. The, Holy Spirit. the relationship, but what about with the relationship? Him. Well, he loved us, and loved, we love people like him. Okay, but, all right. The Holy Spirit. <laughs> Why don't we open? Let not your hearts be troubled. Very good, Steve. You haven't even been here. (laughs) 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 Cheater. Cheater, cheater. Cheater. Chapter chapter 14. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Go to the front of the class, Steve. Uh, He's already at the front. just, um, you know, these things we're supposed to do and things about who he is, but it's after us in our lives today to say, troubled hearts, Zippo, in me, you do not need to be troubled. And he's telling us everything from 14 to 16 to really get that in us, that he really wants our hearts not to be troubled because of who he is. Yeah. Okay, and what he's doing for us. And what's interesting is at the end of 16, so just how he emphasizes this, at the end of 16 is where he closes, which is, we all know, the inclusio, where he says the very last passage, and this is definitely the end because he's going to now go into his prayer after this. He says, I have said these things to you, which starts at 14, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 
So let your hearts not be troubled. Here's all the stuff going on in the world. And boy, I mean, I think we all can relate to that these days. And he is telling us the stuff in 14 to 16. So we end up having hearts that are not troubled because we have that belief in him. And we know he's taking care of this and we know what we're supposed to do. And he's going to give us perspective on all this. Um, so we then have that peace. And then in four, I mean, even in 14, oh, sorry, in 16, if you remember, a week or two ago, he opens up 16. So he's moving along his 14 to 16. He opens up 16, looking back at 14 to 16, and says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. So he wants our hearts not to be troubled. He wants us to have peace. He doesn't want the world to overcome us. He wants us to not fall away. So ultimately, when you look, if you ever feel any of that, 14 to 16 is like, go and read it, and read it, and read it, and read it. Because this is what he's getting across here. Um, so what's interesting is almost everything we've read so far in 14 to 16, or 14, yeah, 14 and 15, is really positive things. You know, abide in me. The, the commandment, love others as I have loved you. It's been a lot of encouragement. It's been a lot of telling us what to do. And now we're going to hit another section where he's going to not tell us. He's going to tell us, like, yeah, if you want your hearts not to be troubled, here's something you need to know because you need to understand this thing we call the world. And you need to understand what what is my relationship and our relationship with the world. And what does he say about that? So that just sort of gives you guys a little context as to what's going on in this section. Um, yes? I struggle with this a lot, and I kind of came up Let with, not your hearts be troubled. Well, no, with, <laughs> <laughs> with finally recognizing that he gave us the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. Thy will be done. Yeah. So, And where is that thy will be done? On earth, earth as, as it, it is, is in heaven. heaven. Yeah. So... If thy will will be done, then it's not my job to tell him what to do. And so, if he's in control, then I don't have to be that troubled by the world. So why do we? Why do we allow it? Because we're in the world, that's why. (laughs) Did you hear that? I mean, what Eric just said is probably the greatest wisdom in the world. In the world, no pun intended. But seriously, because yeah. we are in the world, yeah, and the world but has we are trouble. not, why are we troubled, but we're not what? Of it. Of the world. Mm-hmm. That is really easy to say, but that is the tension of, of our lives. Yeah. And every one of us feels that. I absolutely feel that these days. Oh, yeah. We, we you know, so. The yeah. world sucks you in and spits you out. Right. right. Or it sucks you in and keeps you there. Yeah. It can, yes, depending on what channel part. you look at. So, <laughs> so, so someone tell me, and it can be the distractions as much as the challenges. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, the distractions, entertainment, whatever. Huge. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of distractions. Yeah, yeah. distractions. Yeah. Yeah. When you look at the percentage of time that we spend in the world as a percentage of the time we're in the Word, yeah. it's, Just go it's, by that. it's a tough road right there. But she always, why he always says, let my word abide in you, let my yeah. word abide in you, let my word abide in you. All right. So there's context. So let's read. We're going to, um, I want, 
I want us to read 15, 18 through 25. Um, 15, 18? Yeah, so page 94. (laughs) Page 94, 15, chapter 15, 18 through 25. The hatred of the world. Yeah, okay. Um, And what, in fact, I might just do this right now. What I want us to do is... We're going to read in two versions. We're going to read in the ESV, like we have it right now, and we're going to read in a version you have never heard. Um, I probably almost can guarantee that because it literally just came out, um, and I'll tell you more about that. But I want to read in this version, too, because the author of this version, um, his purpose, so when people write translations, when they do translations of the Bible, and I could read his reasoning behind this, but... Most people, when they translate scripture, they translate it to try to get it into English to make the most sense as possible in English. The problem is, when you do that, what you can lose is the, the Greek roughness, and you lose some of the even meaning. As you try to make it meaning in words today, you can sort of miss some of that. But all translations are trying to somehow do that. What... Um, this translation does is try to not so much try to put it into English you necessarily as much understand, but it gives you the closest literal of the Greek that we can do and still put it in English. Okay, so it tries to get closer to the uh of the Greek. All right. And what's it called? What's the translation called? It's called the Second Testament. Okay. Um, and so anyway, I just want to read it. I mean, he'll tell you. Are I just, we all going to read our own copy? Or? Yes, yeah. So I wanted to just read that, too, alongside the ESV, to just give us sort of two different ways of hearing what Jesus is saying, okay? As, as we sort of discuss, and you can look at some of the differences with it. So um, this is the second one. So who do I have for volunteer for the ESV version? Phil, you want to read the ESV? I do. And then who wants to read this version? Looks heretical to me. Yeah, well, it's actually not, so <laughs> that, that'll probably pretty much guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you, you think everything's heretical, except for the, for, the King James. The King James version. <laughs> so, yeah, the purpose here, and I'm not going to say, I'm not trying to, uh, I'm trying to get us just to hear it differently. You're going to see it says basically the same thing. So, uh, but there, but it, it is bringing out some different things. Um, anyway, so who wants to read this version? All right, you can do that. Okay, so, um, Gil, so we do this sort of just, I want you to get a sense of what are you hearing as we read this? What what sort of sticks out to you as we read these two different versions of what Jesus is saying, okay? The hatred of the world. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name 
because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes... Oh, that's good. Stop there. Oh, there's that's stop there. Okay, Pete. If the cosmos hate, hates you, know that it has hated me before you. If you were of the cosmos, the cosmos would love its own. But because you are not of the cosmos, but I elected you from the cosmos, because of this the cosmos hates you. Remember the word I said to you, a slave is not greater than one's lord. If they chased me, they will also chase you. If they observed my word, they will also observe yours. They will do all these things to you because of my name, because they don't know the one who sent me. If I did not come and speak to them, they would have no sin. But now they do not have pretension about their sin. The one hating me also hates my hates the Father. If I do not do works among them that no other person did, they would not have sin. But now both have seen and have hated both me and my Father. But so the word written in their covenant code may be filled out uh, that says, they hated me as a gift. Yes. <laughs> you even, you're even like, what? <laughs> they hated me as a gift. Notice how, notice how there's apostrophes around that as a gift, like sort of as a gift. Yeah. Anyway, before I get to that, which we can get to that, um, so what do you guys hear and hear? What sort of strikes you in any of them? But just what are you hearing about what Jesus is saying? Question. Uh-huh. Um, in uh, 19, it says, but I chose you. Is he talking to the disciples, or is he talking to me? He is talking to the disciples. Okay. So here he's addressing the actual the, the disciples. That would be a good way to put it, yes. He's speaking to the... So remember where this is taking place. This is in an upper room, Allah. It's in an upper room um, with his disciples, which were at least the 12 minus Judas, who's off doing things he shouldn't be doing, <laughs> getting prepared for Jesus' arrest. So they're in this room somewhere in, in Jerusalem, and he's giving them, as his disciples the last instructions, most people think there probably was more than just simply the 12 there. I mean, we don't know. We do know that at least the 12 or 11 were there. So the, this he's addressing, this is about, this is like, okay, little church men, I'm just addressing you. I'm not talking about anybody else, really. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, it applies to us, too, but yeah. Good question. Another question? Uh-huh. Um, does this mean that uh, those who have never heard the word 
in the middle of nowhere. Are they, can they be guilty of sin? That's a great question. You, you, that, that's an eternal question that <laughs> I think everybody's been asking for a long, long time, yeah. and I do not know the answer to that. Okay. Uh, it's really interesting because I think you have attention. one of the things that Andrew was asking. Yeah. That. You definitely have, and this is a good <clears throat> example of this, you definitely have attention in the scripture where there's an idea that, that, and I think, and it was a Paul, I think, who, or, and Abraham, anyway, I'm trying to remember who says this, but that if they didn't have the law, they're not really responsible for following the law. I'm paraphrasing, okay? So there's an idea, like, if you don't know and don't have some type of the revelation, to what degree are you responsible? Of course, we're all responsible, ultimately, for Romans 1, where Paul says, look, God is evident as, as a God, as a creation. <clears throat> That's not necessarily what saves you, but he's evident within the world. Um, and then you have this tension here where Jesus is sort of saying, like, you're, if, if you have heard my word, if you are responsible, let's put it that way. <laughs> so instead of saying, what about those that don't, what he is trying to say is, hey, if you've heard my word, you have no excuse. Yeah. Okay. Which is part of what I will be blunt personally, what drives me sometimes when I don't want to tell people the gospel. Um, I remember I did this with my dad, <laughs> who did not want to hear it. I just simply wanted him to know what it was, so he didn't have an excuse. <laughs> you know, it's like, you've heard it. Are you going to respond? And my mom was the opposite, which she did respond when she heard it after he died. But, um, <clears throat> so anyway, I mean, that's part of also, I think, our job is, is that it's not so much trying to ask, what about those people who don't? It's about our responsibility to make sure every person knows about Jesus. Because once they know, not only as Tom keeps saying in Romans 10, that's how we come to faith, but also it is a judgment in itself. Christ is saying, now you know, make a decision. It really forces a person to have to say, okay, what am I going to do with this Jesus? Once they hear about Jesus, now it puts a, like a, a decision point in them. I gotta, I gotta make a decision now. Um, where before, if they'd never heard it, they can just, yeah, what do you think about it? But once you preach the word, you don't know which way it's gonna go. You know, once you share about Jesus, you don't know which way that's gonna go. Um, but our responsibility is not for their salvation, it's just simply to communicate and say, hey, I wanna tell you about Jesus. But these people so, have not heard the word are part of the cosmos. <clears throat> they're, they're not in this group. They're, they're of the world. We're not in Israel. That's what I would think. What does the cosmos mean? I mean, we always talk about the cosmos being... So you just asked a really good question. So, probably the first question to ask. Well, we just read. And that's why I liked about this translation is here is an example of where he's using the Greek. So the Greek word for world is cosmos. So it's a transliteration. Yes, exactly. So cosmos... Um, and it, it also causes you to go, just what you did. Yeah, I did. What is the cosmos? All right. Except does that say... It's Carl Sagan's world. Billions and billions. All that is or ever was or ever will be. Well, <laughs> well and, and that, that maybe gives us an idea of what it means about not being 
of the world, uh, not being of the cosmos, not being that maybe the, the whole physical plane of the cosmos has has uh, has ramifications in Christ. So one answer. So the word cosmos, and we could look at some of these verses. Maybe I'll hold off as we have the discussion right now because we can go back and look at those. So cosmos means different things in different contexts. So cosmos does mean what Tom just said. Word. It refers to the universe, the world, the the whole thing. Okay. Question. Um, Question. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. when somebody substitutes, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. If the cosmos is interpreted as the universe, uh huh, and it's, it says the universe hates you. So in this context, that's not what cosmos means. Oh. That's the key. Okay. So cosmos can be translated in context. It can mean different things. And we're going to see Jesus does that. He will use the same, and this happens all the time. We use, do this in our language. We will say a word, but that word in the context in which we're using it will help to determine what its meaning is. So, so we in this case, what does cosmos mean? What? In right. the opening sentence. If the cosmos so, hates you. Right. Good question. Very good question. So in this context, thing, what does it mean? hate is a, is a living being. Very good. So what is the cosmos... This is great. You guys are doing good. This is the exact question you ask. So what does cosmos mean in this situation? Well, I've asked almost every pastor that's ever been a pastor in this church. Where would you two of them? Where, where would your faith be if we found other living things in the universe? Mm-hmm. You haven't asked me that question yet, but no, don't. Yeah, we'll, we'll open that out for next week. <laughs> or next year. <laughs> right. And, and uh-huh. to this... Uh, next universe. And to this point, none of them has ever offered an answer. Mm-hmm. I would have referred you to C.S. Lewis's books. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't ask Jeff. That's where Jeff would be. But, but, if, um, but if you have the faith, you've got to believe that there's intelligent beings in this universe. They are of the same breed or same. There's got to be a Jesus on that planet. If sent from sent from God, so. if there was the same the same path to salvation, which the angels didn't have the same path to salvation that we do, you know, Jesus didn't die for the angels, and there's fallen angels. I didn't quite understand what you said there, but in, but in general, if there's intelligent beings out there, you got to assume that if He created the universe. There's somebody on that planet, like Jesus, or maybe Jesus himself. So I don't know. He sent his son to that planet. It could have been Adam and Eve that didn't eat the apple. I mean, could, like, be. could be. Could be. I mean, what do we what do we know? So it goes to your question. What do we know? We know that God created the heavens and the earth. Heavens is there in Genesis one one. Referring to everything but the earth. The and then there's the earth. Right? It's a cosmos. That's an, I mean, that is cosmos, right? So in this, in that situation, what we could say about whether there's living beings out there or not is that they were created by God. Because that's the core of our faith is Genesis 1-1 that everything was created by God, including Satan. And angels, everything, 
there's the creator and there's a created. And the Bible tells us the creator is three persons in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are the created. Now, whether that created is just here or life somewhere else, I don't, to me, I go, whatever. I mean, that's not, I'm not, I'm responsible for what we've been revealed to here by Jesus. I am no, I can't tell you what's happening somewhere else. I have no idea. I, I don't know. But I, I'll tell you right now, it doesn't shake my faith that somehow we find life form another earth because, I mean, other places like God created everything. All I know is what he's dealing with here as far as responsibility. So, but, anyway, but we're getting, but yes. If, but if you did, and we eventually discover this uh-huh. intelligent being someplace else, and we also find that they are, quote, Christians or whatever, mm-hmm. that's the proof. That's, right. I mean, if you find on some other planet that's similar to us, and by the way, there is intelligent life out there. There's no question about that. We just haven't found it yet. There's a question about it. Otherwise, you wouldn't need to say that. So I miss your point. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah. I disagree with you. There's there's no absolute that there's intelligent life in outer space. There's no proof. In the United States? There's no proof that yeah. there are 50,000 planets out there that have similar conditions. At least. Right. At, At least 50,000. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, just only what we get. Yeah, but that's a, that's, that's in this galaxy. You're taking yeah. you're taking a materialistic perspective that you think that matter can come together and create life, whereas from the creator perspective and what we actually know no, about no, life, I'm not saying that, that that matter creates. It could be the same thing here. The Adam and Eve someplace else. So that means God would have had have had to choose to do that, and it's not you know God doesn't have any limit of resources, right? We but can be the most the precious universe. thing. We can be the most precious thing in the universe, and He created the entire universe for us, basically, I mean, for right. His glory, but for us. And you know, the physical conditions of the universe had to be just so. All of the fundamental physical constants need to be just so for us to have this sort of environment, and it required a massive, massive universe. In perhaps a long period of time, but God's got no no lack of resources, no lack of patience, or you know, a time passes. Too. I understand what you're saying, but why why would He create the rest of the universe? Why didn't He just create the earth if that's all He wanted? For His glory. Yeah, yeah for, for, for His glory. <laughs> but but if He just created the just created the earth, like how would physics work, right? And like if it was just the earth, you, well, this you'd have to sustain it. And that's why, I mean, that's why it's good in even this discussion, that's why he, it's good he even makes that corrective, in the sense that, what do we know? We can say, what do we know scientifically? Okay. God created order in the universe. So what do we know scientifically, which uh, science is based on hypothesis, observable, repeatable things. What do we know scientifically, and what do we know by God's revelation? Well, this one is speculating, yeah. David. There's another part to it. It's not only scientific, but it's theoretical. Well, theoretical. Theoretical probability enters into Sure. Sure. Yeah, but one thing I was trying to point out is that the probabilities usually are from a naturalistic perspective. When they say there's so many opportunities for matter to come together and create life, Mm -hmm. and there's there's so many opportunities out there, so that's bound to happen. But that's a a materialistic philosophy. That's not a theological... Position, yeah, yeah, so you're, you're following that from the I 80s. What you're yeah, yeah. So that's, anyway, that's okay. 
It's okay. We're getting, off, session. We're getting yeah. off your track. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good detour. No, this is actually, I'm not surprised too much. It's a good <laughs> well, discussion you, about what is cosmos. You splattered us with cosmos. I did. <laughs> <laughs> As I say, I, I mean, did. I mean, yeah. just the red flag, I was like, oh, great, <laughs> the cosmos, okay, we're going to go New Age and try and play John in New Age. Oh, we're uh, definitely not going to go New Age, that's well, for sure. <laughs> cosmos is a, is a buzzword for no. New Age. Right, but it, cosmos is the Greek word for world that we're reading. Really? Yeah, it is. I didn't see that. So that's that's why yeah. I'm actually using this translation, because it's using the original Greek word, which is cosmos. Greg, I have a uh, stupid yeah. question. Is uh-huh. there any relevance to the fact that it's cosmos with, with a K instead of a C? Oh, wow. Yeah. Just because I think it's probably it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a transliteration. It's, it's, right. trans- it's, it's cosmos in Greek. But you translating into English. So if you heard, if you were a Greek Back then, Jesus would be saying the word cosmos. That's what, you know, maybe with a different word. Yeah, yeah. But that's what he would say. So, what's, right. in, what's interesting is that, that, that uh, New Age uses the word universe instead of God. The universe told me. And we know that that's just, that's just a, um, a buzzword. The universe didn't tell us anything. Which is why it's called like universal religion. Universe, whatever, right? Universe, yeah. Okay. Anyway, Eric, you had. Um, I like to try and simplify things for my own. <laughs> <laughs> really simplify. It's too late now, I think, because it's comes that I just splattered you guys with the cosmos. We're so. going to pilot. So the way I look at it is that the world is the status quo. Jesus came to point out the sinfulness of the status quo and to save us from the status quo. Now, so that we're not, we're in the world, but not of the world. So my question is, mm-hmm. is the world basically a definition of sin and his mission is to save us from the sin that is the world? Okay, so I want to go back to sort of where, um, where Dale went. Let's look at context, because the context tells us the answer, and I would to say, I think it does. How Jesus is using the word cosmos here, because I can go to John 1, 10, and you'll see that the world gets, cosmos gets used in different ways. I can go through John and see that cosmos gets used in some different ways, sometimes referring to just all of God, all of the creation is one way that John referred, Jesus refers to the cosmos, is all of creation. But, here, he's got a specific meaning. So he is he is being specific. He's saying, the world hates you. Okay? So, going to what sort of you just said, so if you just said, if the world hates you, that means the world is... Against you. Person. No, it means... It's a person. It's a person. Did you hear that? So, a, a system doesn't hate you. A uh, status quo doesn't hate you. A universe doesn't. A universe doesn't hate you. Only a person hates you. So, so when he's speaking here of the world hates you, he's speaking about who? Satan. No. <laughs> the fallen world. He's he's Talking speaking of everybody. He's, so John, if you remember, you know, as much as we don't like it's black and white sometimes, John is pretty black and white. Jesus is pretty black and white here. There is 
those who have placed their faith and believe in Jesus and just chosen to follow him, and there are those who aren't, and they are against, in essence, I want to say against, it's the world, okay? So here, the world hates you. Know that it has hated me before it hated you. Right there you know we're t- talking about people. Yeah. We're talking about those who who have chosen to reject Jesus and reject what he's claiming and everything. And he's saying that pe- though, that group of people <coughs> hates me. Now that's why I called it the status quo. Right, but but I would and that's why I'm going to correct um, for the sake of it's good not to call it status quo. He's we're dealing with people here. We're not dealing with a system or, or we're not dealing with, um, and sometimes the world can mean system, but we're dealing with human beings, people, yeah. and, guess what, and guess what Romans tells us? Gil, myself, you, David, <laughs> Mike, Pete, every one of us, even Steve, <laughs> even Steve, we're all, we're all part of the world. That's what, that's what cosmos means, is the world and its inhabitants. Yeah, yeah. But, so the world, so here it is, it is, we all, we're ungodly, and every one of us in this room, we're part of that world that hates, hated God, I certainly know I was, before we became, before we decided to place our faith in Jesus. Is that the sin nature? Well, the sin nature is, what obviously drove us to be that way. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. But, but I think it's mainly <clears throat> people that have accepted Jesus and believe are his followers. That's Most right. of the people are the one that hates us. Right. And this is where it's really <clears throat> key, and this is why I keep going back to saying we're dealing with people here. <laughs> we're not dealing with some government or these, this group of people, or those position with those people, we're dealing with people, human beings. And I say that because of what Jesus is going to say about that. Because he says, they hate you. If you were not of the world, the world would love its own. See how it's very personal, like Dale's talking about? We're dealing with people here. But because you are not you, speaking to those who believe in Christ, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, Guess why we're not of the world? <laughs> because not because Christ, Christ chose, chose us, us out of that. Okay, and therefore the world's going to hate us too. Alright. So is that am I making sense? Yeah. Comments? Yes, I just think as you said that, just think of some non believer who's spiritually sensitive and he's sitting on the beach and he's asking what or if you're a real God, reveal yourself to me, something like that. Uh-huh. And he begins to feel like the Lord chose him. That's pretty fascinating. There's, some, there's a seed that right. must be planted to, it's kind of like a grappling hook, you know, uh-huh. comes down. At, do you have a grapple, do you have an eye on top of your head, you know, a, the, the, oh, Lord oh, the lift, thing that can the Lord lift you out of the world? Yeah. Or can't he? You know, uh, yeah. I wondered why it's that pretty was growing. <laughs> you want very tender there. Can we stop for a second? Yeah. I'll give you a story. 
<laughs> You're going to tell me about Ring Rock and I'm down here in no, Woods Cove? I'm 11, 1951. I volunteered to go play with the kids in the Iron Lungs because of the polio epidemic. Not all of the kids are in Iron Lungs. But, so I'm assigned to one kid who's not in an Iron Lung and we're just to play some kind of game. He's wearing a stocking cap and it's the middle of summer and it's so hot it's a joke. I mean, we're just sweating. And I say, why don't you take that hat off? He said, they told me I can't take it off while you're here. So it's like a mask? And I said, why? He says, it's a secret. I said, you can tell me, I won't tell. <laughs> it won't be a secret. So he takes his hat like this and goes. And I became a cyclone. One eye staring at this kid. I don't know what that means. He had a ring sticking out of the top of his head. I said, what's the ring for? He said, see all those cupboards around the gym? He says, there's not enough beds for everybody. So they hang us up at night. I said, what? He said, there's not enough beds. And so they hang us up at night. <clears throat> Sounds like a I said, twilight zone. Yeah, I said, Why no, that, that can't be true. He said, that's the secret. Don't tell anybody. You just... What did you think? I mean, was it really a ring? On It was a chrome ring sticking out of the top of his head. Well, now, well, obviously, he was chasing. Years, <laughs> yeah. years <Yeah>. later, <laughs> okay. Good when I'm studying polio, physical therapy, they put a ring in the top of kids' heads who had polio because when they went to sleep, they would, their head would collapse and they would suffocate to death. So they took this oh, ring God. and hooked the hook to it and that oh. went to the end of the bed where there was a pulley and they put a three or four or five pound weight wow. on the pulley so it would keep his head pulled up so he could breathe. When <laughs> you said a ring on top of his head, I went, I went back yeah. 70 years. Going, you would. Here's this, here's this little kid. Sorry, I'm with a ring in the top of my head. Gee, thanks, Joe. That's going to ruin it for me, too. But, did he, did, but he said to you, they hang us up at night. Yeah. Because he was just. Oh, he caught me. Now you. I stand. He was harassing you? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Hang us wow. up at night. Right, right, where were we? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Another See, story. Go so, on. okay, so here's a question. That was a real ringer of a story. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. Just backing up. Yes. <laughs> sure. We're talking about what the world is, and yes. you're saying it's a person or it's a group people. of people. In this context. In this context. I, yes. I think it's wider, and Jesus, I think, was using something wider. I think it's a world system. I think it's evil people and it's evil spirits. Mm -hmm. That's part of the world. Yeah, that Jesus sure. is talking about. It's a spirit world too. 
Yeah. Right. So Very here, powerful. so yeah, so I guess what I'm getting at is just in this context only right now, because Jesus does use the word cosmos to refer to the different things you're talking about, including the created order. So there's different parts here, but the point here is that he's speaking about, he's using language about people. I mean, angels or and and Satan and stuff. Yeah, evil has a yeah. personality. Evil does have personality. So I don't want to deny that evil is not part of this. And I think, does he say it in here? Um, that Satan is also part of what we're talking about. But here, when he's saying cosmos, when he's saying world... Can I ask you... Yes. What's the big deal about cosmos? Why do we even have to talk about it? Why can't we just use world and, and well, move on? I am... Because sometimes it's good to know the Greek and the fact that that Greek language is used in different ways. We just read a world, and when we think, part of the reason why I'm doing this, good question, is because I'm trying to call us attention. When we see the word world, it can mean multiple different things. And here, there's a specific context to the world. Okay, so when we hear the word world, we think of all these different things. And so I'm trying to call out that that comes back to the Greek language of cosmos, which does refer to all these different things. Okay. Whether you like cosmos or not, it's more of a way of just trying to have the discussion. To try to bring out the fact that this is a word that has different meanings, but here... We could be saying the same thing about world and what it means. What are the facets of that? It was my attempt to try to just start a discussion, which obviously I have. (laughs) Um, What world does is it bounds the definition of what we're talking about. Right, right. So here, that's a reason why, and specifically here, and Dale is one that caught it yet. In this context, because he's using the word hate, he's referring to things, living beings, and I would agree with Tom. I could see that that could include Satan. Okay, spirits. Spirits. It could include that in here. But as you notice, so here's my question: What is God, or what is Jesus not saying about the world? So the world, he says, hates who? Him. Him. And and as an extension of that, the world is going to hate us. Us. Okay? All right. What is he not saying about his relationship with the world? He's telling us the world hates him. He's telling the world's going to hate us. What's he not saying? He hates the world. What did you say? He hates the world. Excellent. Excellent. Very good, Caleb. Why? And this is Why? extremely no, critical. I don't get that either. He hates the fallen evil world. Oh. No, what I'm yeah, what I'm saying is, is that God Jesus is telling us here. Oh, I got it. Yeah. Can I think about yeah. what we said Jesus, earlier? Yeah, Jesus is telling us the world, those against me are going to hate me because they hated I mean they're going to hate you because they hated me. They hate me, okay. But what he's not saying, in fact, he never says, is that God hates the world. And that's why I'm trying to bring out the fact that what Dale said, we're talking about people here. We're not talking about a system necessarily. We're talking about individual people, each of us. Okay? Because God does not say in his relationship with the world, which I would say is the extension of disciples also relationship to the world, is never to hate the world. This world. Okay? Why? <laughs> because what does Jesus say about the world? He so loved the world. The world. Excellent. 
Excellent. He hates evil, but he loves He hates people. evil, absolutely, okay? But he loves the world, and the world is who we're talking about here. So that's why that's why I bring up the word cosmos. To make a distinction, we have to be really careful. When we just say, oh, the world's this way or the world's that way, we can just sort of blanket say something about the world. But are we talking about the individual people we meet in the world? Because there's only one relationship we're to have with those people who we meet. Okay, it's to love them. Is to love them. Because that's what Christ did. Okay, John three sixteen. Okay, so, so God so loved the cosmos, which is the word there, <laughs> that He sent His Son to die. And so, when we start thinking about the world, it's always keep in mind. I mean, I don't know that guy that's just walked by there. I have no idea. But if I paint him as like, oh, I hate him, or because he's part of the world, or I hate the world, and I, and, but am I reaching out to the people who God loves, which is everybody in the world, because he wants everyone to be saved? Does that make sense? So that's why it's important for us to think about world and not think our posture is to hate. We're to hate evil, <laughs> absolutely. And we're to do everything we can to go against it. But we have to be careful in that, that what we're not doing is putting people in groups and saying, I hate those people. Because God never says hate other people, ever. He says, I've come to save all those people. And guess what? You were one of them. (laughs) I was one of them. All of us were one of them. You were going to say something, Steve? Oh, just in Psalms 139, David says, Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And not I grieve at those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. Yeah. I count them my enemies. But of course, now there we're reading in context again. Yeah. We're reading David, we're reading his enemies, and we're doing this before Jesus. Right. <laughs> Jesus has come to save. Right. So if David lived those. after Christ was on earth, he wouldn't have written that song. He wouldn't be able to hate. He's not going to, he's, he's not, Jesus is saying, that's right. He says, what are you supposed to do to your enemies? It's different. Yeah. Things have changed. Yeah. I've now died for every single person, including all those enemies out there. Love I've died for them now. Yeah. My job is to is for us to bring Christ to them. Yeah. So that's hard to, to grasp. Jesus, it, it, Jesus it, is the son of David. He loved David. Right. And now he's saying, "Well, David was wrong." Well, I'm not, I, I'm not trying to say David's wrong. I'm, I'm not. I'm speaking of the context again. The I know. It's the new covenant, and we love everybody. So, okay. <laughs> well, that. No, I can funny. do that. When you I said that, with tons of enthusiasm. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. That's that's why Christ died on the cross for the world, and that's why John three sixteen is the most quoted verse in all of, of the Bible. Why? Because it's the most true which is God so loved the world (laughs) that he died for it. Um, I've selected a few people now. Can I read a verse or two? Just two. It relates. This is from from John chapter 3. Jesus is speaking. It's in red. And this is the (laughs) condemnation, that light has come into the world, Mm -hmm. and men loveth darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Mm -hmm. For everyone that doeth evil hates the light. Yep. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Yeah. 
And read, why don't you, while you're at it, can you read 316 and 317? Just get the full context of that one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now listen to 17. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Yeah. And I just say... And he that believeth yeah. on him is not condemned. Yep. But he that believeth not is condemned already. So yeah. what does Christ want? He wants us to take, just as we were all condemned and ungodly, and he saved us from that, he wants us to preach the gospel so all the world will know that he loves them right. and died for them. Yeah. All the world. All the people. <laughs> Yeah. But there's that believe in me. Yeah, right. Key, yeah. And the only way you're going to move from condemned to no longer condemned, you just read it. Yeah. Believe. Yeah. Which was, comes right after that. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Yeah. Believe in me also. Yeah, there you go. And that's what all of John's about. We keep talking about it, right? It's all, all through John. He's just going to say, believe in me, keep believing, keep believing, keep believing, spread the gospel, tell people about me. And, and guess what, there's a whole lot of guess me. Interesting here in those verses, um, those that believe not are condemned already. And then he describes them a little bit by saying, they love darkness more than light. So those who don't believe love darkness. <laughs> They're, they're fused. Those two things are fused. Right. And I totally agree with that. I, I, before I was a Christian, I loved the darkness, which was me. Or you could say to, <laughs> that, that's a little strong to the guy in the streets, you could say, he loves the world. Yeah. You love the darkness. I don't love darkness. You love the world. Yeah. And yeah, but the world's not dark. And we have a, <laughs> but you, they have a good discussion. <laughs> and then you tell them about cosmos. When you were asked what was Jesus really trying to tell us, and you said he hates these people. Yeah, we just said God loves everybody. Well, wait, when I say it, say it again. When I said, say it again, so we make sure we get it right. You said something about what is God really trying, I mean, what is Jesus really trying to tell us? Yeah, well, I said, what is Jesus not saying about the world? Yes. And you nailed it. He said he hated it. He's saying what Jesus is not saying is that he hated the world. I know. He right. hates the world full of darkness and men that love the darkness. That's the world he hates. But we just said a few minutes ago that God loves yeah. everybody. Loves right. Because he hopes to convert. Right. This is a part that... So, it's, yeah. so he hates the soul that's still he, he, alive. That's still on earth. We've had conversations in this room about... Jesus knows, and God knows, who's never going to accept. He knows those people. Even people sitting out there in the world that are not part of them. Somehow, somehow. Because there's people crossing across that boundary all the time. But what he never, if you believe that, what he never says is don't try to figure out who those people are. He says, go preach the gospel to every single person. No matter what, right? No, that's interesting. So, okay, missionary, go to to, to Iran and die. I know no one's going to be saved there, but that's what I want to do. Right, I mean, that's what we have to be careful. He wouldn't send them there because he knows they're never going to convert. He knows who's going to convert, who's not. 
And he knows he was going to go. But he just he commanded he us to go and make disciples in the whole world. He knows people going back and forth and across the board. Yeah. yeah. From being saved and faith to no faith. And from no faith to faith. And and that's why I think it's... You've got to understand, he knows all those people already. That's right. Predestination. But he also has told us if we're the ones who are supposed to take his word to them. No, well, I'm not denying that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that, because he knows there's people out there that are going to move this. Right. Yeah. And part of the caution here is, it just goes back to what his answer was, <laughs> is you never have we... And I hear us as Christians do this all the time, so I'm going to just put a me too, everyone. I mean, we have a tendency, especially in our hot cuts culture these days, we have a tendency to, to call groups of people things and put labels on them and then hate those groups. Or say, this group is for me, this group is against me. You've got to label me. them before you can hate them. <laughs> well, we do that, but we label them, and then we use that as an excuse, like we sort of hate that group, that label, which has people under it, who God wants to save. <laughs> you mean people like plumbers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, plumbers save us. And oh, plumbers save us. Certainly do. You only well, believe that when you have a real problem. <laughs> <laughs> who are you going to call? <laughs> Not Ghostbuster <laughs> public. <laughs> but does that mean... Are you going to call that? Greg? <laughs> Yeah, but I don't want to pay $400 to fix my garbage disposal. Well, Greg will come over for free. But if you want to have living water in your house, I'll be more than helping help you with your plumbing. <laughs> so what we're messing with here is pretty intense. It's, it hard, it's hard to grasp. Yeah. Predestination and, is one and the only, really the only the and, and, and the predestination, whatever that how God does that, he never tells us. He tells no. us it's true. No. But we're not the ones to make that decision. But we can use that as excuses also, just saying, well, I don't want to tell that person about Jesus. Or they're obviously condemned Too far to hell, or whatever we want to say. <laughs> it's like Jesus never, ever says, I hate people. He never says that. He is he's hates that they hate him. They hate a condition. He hates a sin. He hates the darkness, but he's very clear. John three sixteen. I have come for all those that I hate. Your job is not to hate them. Your job is to tell them about me. Because no one else is going to know about it except that you tell them. No one. There's no possible way. Jesus isn't walking around the earth anymore going and telling people about himself. <laughs> You're not going to understand why you missed a few meetings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we just picked up where you, where you, where you left, left off. off I think. <laughs> yeah. You knew all yeah. of this. <laughs> um, I'm back, backing off a little bit yes. from you, you saying that the corollary is that Jesus hates the world. Well, he knows, so he, hate he hates the people he knows he needs to hate. Right. He doesn't hate anyone. He doesn't hate anyone. I think we redefine this cosmos thing. Forget that word. (laughs) Redefine it as the world. He hates the evil, spiritual system of the world that's full of darkness. He doesn't hate any person who has a soul. That's what I'm saying. Still has a soul. You know, I would say that Satan has had his power in this world, Mm -hmm. and we've all been going to the school of Satan since we were little. Yeah. Yeah. And we were 
completely sucked away from God. And we weren't even born in innocence. We were born evil. We were born in sin. Born in sin. But I would say, growing up, we would pray in kindergarten before we started before we started the day, and then all of a sudden, that, that was gone, and then... Yeah, you just go... You can see just who he's against. But I would say as you look out throughout the Bible and the trouble the Israelites had, that's basically where we are right now. We... we have gone astray. I've gone, I've gone astray, right? And there's still that remnant... Who hasn't bowed their knee? Right, right. And we still live but in the present like, evil age. It's just like the same thing you look at over and over when Israel went into captivity, and there's always somebody sent to deliver justice. Mm-hmm. But then those people ended up being justly, <laughs> you know. Right. You just, I mean, it's just that right. history repeats itself, and we're no better. Knowing all we had, right. we we had Christ, and we were still led astray. Acting like that we live in a yeah. world still. And, and ungrateful for for the wonderful teachings we get in the in the name of learning to live as Christ-like lives, and we uh, we're not grateful. I'm speaking myself. Not grateful for all of the beautiful subtleties. That he has he has placed. We're still so blessed. Yes, we oh, are. If you look how in our, our daily lives and everything, we we're so blessed. And I, I, for me, it's it's like I I turned off the TV and I started appreciating everything the Lord's given me and everything that's around me. What a beautiful way to live, right? And so you don't you don't try. That's Separating yourself from the world, I think. It's not, not that I don't have my battles, but turning the TV off is one of the best things I ever did. Mm. Just like getting away from... Can you come over to my place and turn it off? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll just we'll pick it, it up and take it away. <laughs> we'll, make it a, we'll make it an aquarium. We'll, <laughs> we'll make it an aquarium. <laughs> now, for all of you guys who are in the Galatian study, um, look at verse 20. Because Jesus tells us to remember this, so I'm going to have us remember it. Verse 20, 15, 20. And you guys can help me translate this more properly. Which is verse 20 where it says, Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. How should that really be? What, What does that really say? Because some of you should know that. Slaves. Very good. It says it on this one. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Because again, it's being closer to the Greek. I didn't hear what you said. So, in Galatians, so what? So, slave? Slave. Slave. Not servant. Slave. So, Jesus is trying to remind us, even though it's not a, he's trying to remind us that we today, we want to question about whether we want to follow him or not. He's reminding us that no, we're not just a servant. Because if you think about servants, think of a servant, okay? They sort of willingly decide to play a part of serving you or taking care of something, right? Jesus does not say we're servants to him. He uses a very specific word, 
which doesn't get translated because of sort of the connotation. Right. The, whatever you want to call it, political correctness. I'm not sure if that's exactly the word to use, but because of the context today, but he says here, remember the word I spoke, I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. That is the word. We are slaves. We might not like to hear that, but we are doulos. We are slaves. It is doulos, and we are, we are slaves to Christ. <laughs> Every Paul, one of us. Paul likes to call himself that. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And Jesus is calling us that too. He's saying, no, it's not like, oh, I'm, you know, you're just a little servant, you do whatever you feel like, but no, we are following Christ. But we chose to be slaves, though. You what? We chose to be slaves. Exactly. Exactly. is you chose. Very good point. It's very different than the native connotation. That's why people don't use the word slave, but that's who we are. That's our relationship to Jesus, is we are slaves to him. Our allegiance, allegiance, <laughs> is to one person. It's Jesus. 